Welcome everybody to the Crosspoint Sermon Podcast. We've got to be a church that reaches out in grace, but is not tolerant of sin. We've got to be a church that reaches out in love, but refuses to walk in the perversion of it. We've got to be a church that reaches out in compassion, but is not ruled and deceived by our emotions. We've got to be a church that reaches out in truth, no matter the worldly consequences. And it is that truth that people are going to be drawn to and then they get to make the choice as you have made choices. Well, today, Pastor Jonathan kicks off a new message series on the purpose of the church, the call of the church. And for Crosspoint, that is our four R's, as we like to call them. That is reach, rescue, restore, and release. So today, we're going to listen to the message that is going to challenge us to be people who reach. Right, y'all ready to get into this? We are in a new series entitled The Call of the Church. The Call of the Church. And we are going to be going through this entire month and a little bit into February. And we're going to be talking about who we are as the church. And I know some of you get this in your starting point. You'll get this in some other things. But we're going to spend a little bit more time in this. And the honest truth is I could spend a month on each one of these. But we're, we, we don't have that kind of time because I know God's got other things for us. But we're going to break it down and we're going to talk about who we are as the church. And our main statements, who we are, and that is a church that is willing to reach, rescue, release. Everything we do falls under those four things, those four R's. Our reach, rescue, restore, and release. And these are the four principles of Crosspoint. We don't do anything unless it falls under one of those four categories. And we are going to talk about the reach this morning. The call of the church is to reach. Nothing else happens if we're not willing to reach. We got to be a people that will reach out. And there's reaching out in so many different ways. And we're going to talk about a few of those today. And as you are continuing to come here, you'll discover more ways. But we cannot be a, afford to be naive to the needs of the people around us. And we can't be naive to what the world is doing to people and bringing a spirit of confusion, spiritual identity theft, loss of value, loss of purpose, fear, anxieties, depressions, our main purpose here at Crosspoint is to reach out to all those people who are struggling and let them know they're of value. There is a purpose and a plan for your life. God created you, and you're not a mistake. You're not an afterthought. Crosspoint, the church here is supposed to be a place of safety and security, and it is a place that holds on to and teaches spiritual principles of God now that's what we do that's what the whole church is supposed to do right the big C church because this world is reaching out in so many different ways they're reaching out with different theologies and religions and belief and putting people in a constant state of moral and ethical confusion as we've talked about 
The world is constantly reaching out regarding social justice, racial justice, health justice, environmental justice, gender justice, trans justice, homosexual justice. And we need to be the church that doesn't just talk about justice. We, talk, we take people, we reach out and we take them and we guide them to the one who is just. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Instead of getting on people and blaming people and harping on people and telling them how bad they are, what if we took them to the one who is just and represents what true justice looks like? we got to be a church that reaches out in grace but is not tolerant of sin. We've got to be a church that reaches out in love but refuses to walk in the perversion of it. We've got to be a church that reaches out in compassion but is not ruled and deceived by our emotions. We've got to be a church that reaches out in truth no matter the worldly consequences. And it is that truth that people are going to be drawn to and then they get to make the choice as you have made choices. But how are they going to know unless we reach? Our key scripture here at the church this is the key, this is what we base everything off of here at the church. And this is it's on the wall outside, and this is the scripture I encourage you to memorize and grab it and put it in your heart. And it goes like this, Luke 4, 18 through 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And I'm here to tell you, we are living in the time of the acceptable year of the Lord. We are here. But the call of the church is to do this. And one of the ways that we do that, the call of the church, is to prioritize God's priorities. Which means we have to lay down our priorities for Him. We got to, God, what are your priorities? The only way we do that is we pray first. Well, we talked about that last week. Got to hear His priorities, what He has. But here, I'm going to give you a little heads up. Here's one of his priorities. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Reach. Reach. Well, pastor, that, that, that says that's Jesus talking. And he's talking about himself. Well, when we call to Jesus, when we call on his name, we ask Jesus to come into our... We become one with Jesus, Right? So if Jesus is living inside of us, guess what? We're supposed to be representatives of him, ambassadors of him. That means we get to be the ones reaching out in the name of Jesus. That's our job. What's our job? Go into all the world and make disciples. How do you do that? You can't make disciples. You can't love on people. You can't bring them close unless you reach. You got to reach out for them. And all throughout the Bible, I love how God displays how much he loves us and continues to reach out to us. This, is, this whole book's about reaching out. 
I mean, how many times have we turned away from God and he still continues to reach out to us? <laughs> Moses, he reached out to Moses several times. Jonah, Hosea, Amos, Mary Magdalene, the woman at the well, right? Maybe even the apostles? I think they scattered. And he still came back and reached out to them and said, no, you're who I chose. You're the ones. He spoke life into them, didn't he? Why is that? It's because God uses ordinary people and calls them to significance and makes them extraordinary. And that's you. Well, I'm just a common person. I'm just an ordinary person. Perfect. That means you're the perfect person. Well, there's nothing special about me. Awesome. Well, I, I can't be used like that. Yeah, half the guys in the Bible said that. Go Gideon. Right? <laughs> Everything that you're thinking, you're like, man, maybe even you're like, well, I'm too good for that. God's got a plan for that. <laughs> Jonah. <laughs> He's got a plan for that. He uses ordinary people. The problem is we, get, we allow fear to come inside of us and we don't want to talk about God. We're so happy that we're Christians, but we don't want to talk about it. We'll talk about it at home, but we don't want to talk about it in the office. And we do this, uh, I love how Reverend Billy Graham makes this statement. He says, it could be that one of the greatest hindrances to evangelism is the poverty of our own experience. which means it's back on us. We got to go out there and do something. There are people around you that need to know the love and the grace of God. But what is the real reason that we miss out on that experience? It's because we forget what God's priorities are. And we start putting our priorities above God's priorities. Because well, I've got a busy life, God. He goes, well, I can simplify that. <laughs> oh, you're so busy? I can, I can help that. Lord, I want to serve you with everything I have. Awesome. With my whole being, great. We'll test it. I know that there are times where we have, it's hard. It's not always easy. But I love what Jesus says in John 14, 1. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. He's going to prepare a place for you. And in my Father's house, there are many mansions. Mansions, rooms, the Greek word, monet. Why is Jesus going to prepare a place? Not just a place, but many places. 
You think God is building all these places so that we don't do our job? Jesus is like, I'm going to prepare a place. This is like the best subdivision ever. Like, house is massive. It's, um, It's awesome. But I need a church to do their job. Why are you scared to reach? Well, because it makes me uncomfortable. That's okay. God's got a plan for that too. He's gonna, he'll put you in uncomfortable situations time and time and time again until you start realizing, I gotta start getting comfortable with this and start behaving right. He expects his church to go out and love and gather people. But let me give you a statistic that is, it it really is heartbreaking. Do you know that 11% of Christians are excited about evangelism and telling people about Jesus? 11% of Christians get excited about telling others about freedom, about hope, about grace. 11%. Well, Pastor, we're doing really good because we we do, we're we're at least at 13 here. (laughs) I don't want to be that 13%. I want to break through the average. Above and beyond what anybody thinks could happen. Because I truly believe what the Word of God says that what, where it seems impossible, God can make it possible. I believe that we can have an entire church of people that are hungry for God, so hungry for His priorities, for His will, for His desire, that they will go out and love people and bring them back to His kingdom. We just have to get over this little thing of, that's called ourselves. You were like, I know you were thinking, it's 2024, pastor's going to be nice. (laughs) I am. I'm saying it in happy tones. (laughs) (laughs) Just think about that statistic for a moment. 11% of Christians are excited about telling people about Jesus. Does that mean if I bring someone up here on stage and I go, they have changed their life. They've given their life to Jesus. They've turned away from everything else. Here they are. The kingdom of heaven has accepted them. Jesus is alive in them, and they've changed. Does that mean only 11% of you are going to get excited? Well, what's Jesus say about that? Luke 15, 7. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and have strayed away. Need some more proof? Luke 15, 10. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. If all of heaven is ready to erupt in praise, why wouldn't we want to join the chorus? Right? 
Woo! Lord, we, uh, we, we, we had five people give their lives to the Lord. Some of you maybe think, well, that number's a little low. Maybe it's a little low because we're not celebrating the five people that gave their lives to Jesus. Maybe we're trying to put things in a statistical bracket instead of putting God's priorities first. Okay. <laughs> How's God the Father think about this? What does he think? Third John 1, 4 says, I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. You want to bring joy to the heart of the Father? Love people. Reach out and bring them to the kingdom. And that's what Jesus was here for. Not to do his will, but to do the Father's will. John 6, 38. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. I love that. The call of the church next is to be faithfully reaching. Faithfully, continually, always watching, looking for new opportunities. Do we go through the day looking for opportunities to make money or opportunities to love on people and bring them to the kingdom? What are our priorities? And when we see that person and that opportunity, are we running away from it or are we going to it? Are we faithfully reaching as the church is supposed to be? Well, how do you know? Well, let's learn from Peter and John in Acts 3, verse 1. It says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate. Now, this is a regular routine. The one called the beautiful gate so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Anybody ever seen, have those, you know, right? Right? Walmart parking lot. All right. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. Can you just imagine? This guy's been going to this place for years, probably his whole life, begging for money. Peter and John walk up, and they look at him. And it says, look at us with an exclamation point. That's Peter looking down going, look at us. Look at us. That's intense. And that guy's probably going, oh, they're going to give me some money. This is going to be it. This is the day. This is, gonna be, this is it. Says the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold for you. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh-huh. <laughs> but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. What if, what if, and our job to reach out, we said, look, 
look what Jesus has done in my life. Look here. Let me show you. Let me reach out. Let me make, take authority and, and do this in compassion and love. Reach out, pull them in, and go, I, there's a greater reward for you. And it is not that I have silver and gold, but I have a place where you can go. There's a mansion that needs a soul in it. And I can lead and guide you to the one who can change everything for you. And you have an eternal destination. What if we changed our thinking a little bit? Silver and gold I don't have for you. <laughs> but I've got a Jesus. And he is so good. And he has all authority. And he has all power. And everything in this world, above and below, bows at the name of Jesus. How awesome is that? That's called full of faith, isn't it? Full of faith. Peter and John were full of faith. They reached down. They didn't reach down and go, go well, we're just going to drag him. <laughs> they reached down. They expected something to happen. There was an expectation. When we come to church and we spend time in the presence of God, do we come with an expectation that he's about to do something? When we come and pray together on Wednesday nights, do we have an expectation that something's going to happen? When we come together in community groups, do we have an expectation that God's going to move and do something mighty? What if a great revival sparked in one of the community groups and it just flooded the rest of the church? How awesome would that be? Peter and John were full of faith. Big God, big prayers. Big God, big vision. I can tell you this right now. This is what we are doing here in the community so far and, and, and this church and the buildings and the campus and all this stuff. I love what God has done. But this is small part of the vision that God has given me for the long term. Because I believe in a big God. And I have big vision for what he's going to use this body to do. Big God, you better expect some big answers. The man was asking for shekels. <laughs> just a shekel. I'll just take a shekel. Uh, would you like to walk? <laughs> Um, sure. <laughs> and after he started walking, what happened? He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then, he, then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. When a great miracle is done in your life, you're good, you, we all should be walking into the temple of the Lord, shouting, celebrating, praising, leaping, dancing, and all those things. 
Instead of coming in and go, I'm going to be a nice, quiet Christian. I'm going to get a little radical. Listen, when you stand like that and you do this, it looks like you're confused. Do I need to go to the bathroom or do I have to raise my hand? What if, man, what if we just got in here and we just praise God? I think God's waiting for his people to just have a reckless abandon for him. Just thinking. I know that God desires for us to live with expectation. That's why we get to watch the impossible become possible. Every time. Silver and gold, I don't have any. But what I have, I'll give you. In the name of Jesus Christ and Nazarene, get up and walk. Listen, I... I I'm not a great theologian. I'm not a great, I, I don't know the Bible as probably well as I need to, but I can tell you this, Jesus saved me. And he can save you. We keep thinking we have to have all these degrees. We need to know the Bible more. Maybe we just need to know what Jesus, have a realization of what he's done for us so that we can tell him, And I think a lot of times we as Christians, we start focusing on the wrong things. We focus on what we don't have. But I'm here to tell you, stop focusing on what you don't have and start focusing on what you do have. And the call of the church is to accept our calling. Church, accept the call. Accept the call. Peter and John did not go, look, it's the shekel guy. Just keep walking. guys there all the time <gasps> they went to him a lot of times we go Lord I, I, there's this person at work they are driving me nuts I need you to send someone <laughs> to tell them truth so they get their act together. <laughs> Let me tell you a little secret. <laughs> he already did it. <laughs> he sent you. <laughs> he sent you. The Lord, you don't understand that person. They're like Satanists. <laughs> they're full of the occult. They listen to country music. <laughs> Don't take offense. <laughs> There's so many problems. Lord, you need to send somebody. He sent you. But this person drives me nuts. So he sent you to help them. Because at one point, you drove somebody nuts. 
And if you think you didn't, <laughs> we'll move on. <laughs> we got to accept the call. Accept the calling. Let us be a people, a church that God has called, and let us say, Lord, here we are, we're available. Then the, as the call of the church, we have to realize that we play a vital role. Our vital role as the church is to reach out and continually reach out. Why? Because people need to know they matter. We can show them who to hold on to, not what to hold on to. Romans 12, 9 says, let love be without What's that word? What's the number one excuse for people not going to church? Because people are a bunch of bunch of actors. Abhor what is evil. Let us cling to what is good. What does that mean? Maybe we should love and actually love. Like someone loved you and brought you to the kingdom. And then we gotta we have to prioritize this. The call of the church is to reach with a generous heart. We have to be a generous church and have a generous heart. It is our responsibility as the church to be helpers to those in need. And I'm talking about generosity pure generosity we need to be a generous church a loving church a church that is willing to obey god a church that is not afraid of the word tithe i have people all the time pastor are you scared to teach on tithing no i love teaching on tithing why because i love having a blessed church i love having a church that's full of obedient people i love being a church that we can help anybody that needs help and unfortunately we've had a mindset change as a church we've decided we don't want to be a generous we we want to be generous on our terms but if they really need help that's what the government's for and that and i'm here to tell you that's not how god designed it you want to know where the where the help needs is supposed to come from the church because we wouldn't be handing over so much power to the government if the church would step up and do what it's called to do. Amen. We're supposed to be on the front line. But I'm telling you, when you learn how to be generous and you have a heart of generosity, there is a transformative power that happens, transformative power of generosity that takes over. And in the church in 2 Corinthians 8, 2 says... They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. I want to be a church that overflows in rich generosity. I want to be a church that overflows in rich generosity. And don't freak out when, I, when I'm talking about the tithe, and don't turn me off because we're going to talk about the tithe. Let me tell you, when we talk about the tithe and we actually do what God tells us to do, there are blessings upon blessings upon blessings 
and there's fruit that comes from it. But the decision to be generous and to tithe is a decision of the heart. Because tithing produces obedience. We want to be an obedient church. Malachi 3, 6 through 12. Where'd it go? It says, I am the Lord and I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse the church is the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple if you do says the lord of heaven's armies i will open the windows of heaven for you i will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in try it put me to the test let me tell you my wife and i we the, the first years of our marriage Financially, we struggled, but we always tithe. Struggled. And you know it was an act of faith when she married me, you know, because when, when I was a youth pastor, I'm making a whole whopping 14000 a year. Yeah, woo. We're in ministry for the money. <laughs> Things were tight, but we're going to tithe. The first thing that my wife and I do when we get our, ch- our, our checks, we tithe. Pastor, do you tithe back into the church? 100%. This is my storehouse. I tithe right back into it. Well, don't you get paid from the church? Yeah. But I tithe right back into it. Because I want to have a heart of obedience. How how do I expect any of us to have a heart of obedience if I'm not going to do it? We have to have a heart of obedience. Place God first in everything, even my bank account. No matter how bad it looks. No matter how good it looks. Place God first in everything. The tithe. Well, how much do I tithe? Well, that, that God gives it to you right there. The tithe, the word tithe means 10%. So start there. And I guarantee you that God will do more with your 90% than you could ever do with your 100%. I promise that. But we tithe out of obedience. Put me to the test. If I want to be obedient in everything, I got to be obedient in that. Well, I know my pastor is talking about tithes because he, he, they, the church wants more of our money. We are not the government. <laughs> but when July comes, and there's no air conditioning on in this room, <laughs> you're going to send me an email. 
I won't be able to check it because I can't pay for the power. <laughs> oh, we tithe so that we can give, so that we can take care of people, so that we can grow the kingdom. And isn't God our provider anyways? I'm pretty sure his name is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. And, I, I, and I'll be, I'm, I'm, I'm being very honest, very real about where we are financially. My wife and I will go to our tax person and our tax person is like, you give too much. You need to cut back. fact maybe we should give more because I'm not going to cheat God and there are a lot of churches there are a lot of people that are cheating God we're not going to cheat God but we don't give to get we give because it's obedient I give because it's a, I want to be a joyful giver I want to do what scripture says. I want to be a joyful giver. I want our church to be a joyful giver. One of the biggest things that we're going to talk about in a few weeks is our Vision Sunday. We'll go over finances and different things. But one of the biggest number and the most exciting number that I'm going to show you is how much we spent on people. I love that. But we can't have a selfish heart. Obedience is a matter of the heart. And obedience transforms dead religion into an exciting faith. Obedience requires us to t trust Jesus, trust his word, trust his direction, trust his ways, trust his priorities in everything, every avenue of our life. That's how we have to do it. And you want to know the other reason? that we fight the tithe when we come into a worship service how many times do we come in and we, we're thinking man I want to worship but I just don't feel like worshiping your tithe is spiritual warfare your tithe is worship to God and when we can tithe we can worship worship we can tell the enemy where to go and that he has no control over any avenue of our life so the call of the church is to have a genuine heart to reach with a genuine heart all in we need to be all in just like the lady in Mark 12, 41. It says, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped their, in their money. Many rich, pe rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. 
here's what Jesus is doing. He's doing the same thing that Peter and John did. Peter and John went to the paralyzed man and said, I see you. You know what Jesus is doing when we tithe and we have an obedient heart? He's saying, I see you. I'm watching you. Pastor, I just don't have a lot. She didn't have a lot. It's obedience. God will take care of the rest. I promise you. Put him to the test. Put him to the test. Jesus is watching the crowd. He's watching everything that's going on. But your character, our character, the character of this church, it will get the attention of God. We have to decide what we're going to do. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Let's be a church that gives cheerfully. Let's be a church that loves people. Let's be a church that reaches down and pulls people up. Let's be a church that answers the call to the person next to us at work. Let's be a church that does what we're called to do. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel. I'm going to ask us to stand this morning. And I want you to just think about this for a moment. Where would you be if nobody reached out for you? would you be if God didn't send that person where would you be if it wasn't for that church where would we be if it wasn't for a heavenly father that looked down on us and said son it's time to redeem him where would we be sure he's worth everything our ministry team is going to get in position here and for some of you you may be thinking you may be going wrestling with some of this and some of you may just have some prayer requests that we need to pray over we want to pray we want to lift you up we want to be there for you here we are we're reaching out this is our reach right now we want to reaching out. If you need prayer for anything, come down. We want to pray with you. And sometimes it takes you reaching out and saying, I'm willing to grab the hand. I'm willing to grab the hand. Thank you, Father, for all that you do. Thank you that you have chosen us, that we get to reach out for you. Thank you that we have a calling and the call for us is to love you, to reach out for you, and to love your people. Love those that aren't even loved, that don't even know you, Lord God. Thank you that we all have a calling. And thank you for your faithfulness to us. Help us to be faithful to you. In Jesus' mighty name. If you need prayer, come up. We want to pray with you as we continue to worship.
Thanks for joining us today. We are Crosspoint Church, and we're in Tyler, Texas. We'd love for you to find out more about who we are, and uh, we put that in the show notes. Have an amazing day. Thank you.